God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder and lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that Jesus said we'd recognize his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Dreams and visions are the most common form of God conversation in the Bible, but they're the one we know least about. Everyone dreams, but how do you know when they're from God? And how do you know what they mean? Dreams are often full of weird and wonderful scenes and symbols. If you want to know more about how God speaks in dreams and visions today, this episode is for you. Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and founder of this ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Our guest today has been teaching about the topic of dreams and visions for over 30 years. He's also been involved in a wide range of ministries, from youth work, Bible college lecturing, and he's currently the senior pastor of a church in Victoria, Australia. Welcome to the show, Pastor Zoran Ponovich. Yeah, great to be with you, Tanya, and um, looking forward to this session, particularly with a lady who is so well-versed in the prophetic and, uh, of course, you're highly credentialed in your own right in, in all these areas as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, Zoran. Now, we are both in lockdown. We've just been talking about this. You're in a regional centre, Wodonga, in Victoria, and I'm stuck in Sydney, in Australia. Many of our listeners are from overseas, so they're not in the same position. But it's an ideal time to talk about one of, well, my favourite topics. In fact, I first um, met you, Zoran, and heard about you, actually, when I would have been about 20 years ago and I had one of my first God dreams and I remember thinking, wow, that is so strange what's going on. So I took myself off to the local Christian bookstore and thought, I'm going to find more about this because no one I talk to seems to know anything about it. And there in the bookstore I found your book, In Your Dreams. And I remember reading it and thinking, oh yeah, that makes sense. And it was a great read. So... Thank you for your work. Um, you know, you're one of the few pastors who teaches in this area, so I'm super curious. How did you get into this? Yeah, look, it, it started in 1985, would you believe? I, uh, those years ago, I did six months with Youth with a Mission and uh, did the DTS, the very first one, in Sydney. Yep. And um, while doing the course, uh, they had a gentleman come through on tour from the US. Uh, he had just come from New Zealand and was in Australia. He was not, uh, he was not down in our schedule to speak, but they thought while he was there, would he like to do an hour session on, uh, understanding the language of dreams? Because that was the first book I ever bought was his. And, uh, it was by a guy, uh, who's, uh, a bit of an unusual name. His name's Herman Riffle. Mm-hmm. And uh, his book that he wrote was Dreams, God's Neglected Gift. And um, so he lit the fuse in me, 1985, Tanya. I don't think that there was one single student 
who was listening to him that was as excited as I was <laughs> because I had not long been a Christian. That was 85. I got saved yeah. in 81. And I had a couple of instances where in my early Christian walk, uh, I had one particular dream that always lingered with me. I never really knew how to understand it. And it wasn't until I was exposed to this one-hour session with this man and met him afterwards that uh, I was able to understand it. And it was amazing how from that moment it just lit some sort of pilgrimage in me to uh, mm. to move in this area, I suppose. Yeah. I, I understand that completely because I, I remember when I had my first God dream thinking, oh, this is amazing. And it was so easy, you know, I think... Um, People sort of say how hard it is to hear God's voice and I didn't do anything, I just fell asleep. And then this amazing, you know, God conversation came out of it. And I remember going on this mission to find out more because I thought, why don't we know about this? You know, it's such a, it's all through the Bible. And so even coming across your book back then almost was like a Herman Rifle experience, I think, for you. So it makes a difference if you've, had a significant God dream, I think, as well. So, so, so you you were then you you heard the, the teaching on it, and then how did that unfold for you? You understood, started to understand what what God was speaking to you about. Is that how? Well, like you, you can I mean, share. Yeah, like you, Tanya. I was on a journey, you know, because I thought man, we, I had such a appetite to want to learn more about the, the prophetic, of which dreams and visions are a critical part of. Um, and then to my surprise, in those in the mid-80s, you know, like I could not find one single solitary bit of resource or yeah. literature in a bookstore, Christian bookstore. Uh, so you wouldn't believe it. You know, I started to go to universities and found uh, one title after another. I, I think uh, in the Melbourne Uni, there's like 150 titles on the subject. Yeah. And uh, in one regional centre, there's about 80. And uh, I'm thinking, why... Why is the secular world writing about something that the Bible is so rich with and yet we don't give any attention to it? And so I actually started to have the old, uh, the old saying, chicken dinner. You know, I'd, I'd get these secular books and eat the meat, spit out the bones, and sometimes I felt like there was more bones on the table than meat. And uh, it, it, was, it was a journey. It was... Uh, it's been a long journey just on off my own bat somehow. But we thank God that I think, if I remember rightly, when the 90s ticked over, more and more authors and people were rising up, particularly in the US, addressing the subject. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, people's experiences, when God starts speaking to them in this way, it causes them to ask questions. But you're right, there's a massive resistance. There's been a massive resistance in the church. I think perhaps a bit of a fear I remember um, moving from Melbourne to Sydney and people would ask me why I moved. And I, I said, oh, God spoke to me. And sometimes I'd say in dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Reactions of people would just, you know, they would roll their eyes and walk away. And um, I remember thinking it's so odd that there's this massive disconnect because most of the God conversations in the Bible came while someone was sleeping. And... Um, yeah. I thought, you know, it's just fascinating. I remember reading a little bit of the history and discovering some of the legacy that the Western Church has around this area and a bit of the fear perhaps of mysticism um, or of getting it wrong or wackiness, I think, perhaps. Yes. Have you had that in your own teaching? I I think um, you've been doing seminars for years as well. 
Um, what do you think is the main reason why people are reticent about this area? I think, you know, one of my, one of my main comments about that would be there's such a plethora of this in the New Age movement and uh, in some aspects of the occult too, uh, that they've taken dominion over this area. And therefore, when we all of a sudden show an interest in it, it's like we're labelled among the New Age movement because mm. it's so heavy there and so mm. light in the church. Mm. I think that's one of the reasons, one of the key reasons it's like that. And one of maybe the other, other reason too, Tanya, is that I've always had more opposition, not so much nowadays, but the early days, more opposition from Christian leaders and Christian people about this than the secular people. Um, I mean, I've been interviewed on radio and journalists and newspaper journalists, and they've always been intrigued by it, whereas the Christians are more sceptical by it. I mean, one of the common things I used to come across was people would come up to me and say, listen, you know, what gives you the right to teach on and helping people interpret dreams? If God gives somebody a dream, he'll help them understand the symbols. And I said, well, I said, I'm not so sure about that. And they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, when Jesus used the symbolic language to talk about um, or talk about the sower and the seed, and he unpacked that parable of the seed on the wayside, the rocky places, thorns, the thistles, and the good soil, he was unpacking a symbolic language. And it's very clear there, Jesus is, is illustrating something, and the disciples didn't have a clue about what it mm. meant. I said, yeah. and he says to them, he said, what do you mean? If you can't understand this, how can you understand anything? I said, this is the Lord speaking to them in person and they don't get it. So I don't necessarily buy into the fact that, you know, if God gives you something, you'll immediately understand it. Well, sometimes we've got to seek and search it out too, don't we? Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's so, so true. And I think too, um, we've been schooled in the idea of communication by words and actually pictures and symbols and scenes can actually communicate a lot more effectively than words can. Um, a picture tells a thousand words, doesn't it? So people, if people don't understand how the visual realm actually works. Um, uh, yeah, I was reflecting on that in my own life. You know, we talk about what is the ministry gift of a prophet? And a prophet, I often call them specialists in hearing God. And the main way that the prophets heard from God in the scriptures is through dreams and visions. So if I think about what is a, a New Testament prophet is one who equips the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what the ministry giftings are. So if as a prophet I've been schooled in how to hear from God, my main role is to help people hear God for themselves, which involves helping them to understand the language of pictures, which True. is often more effective um, than words. I was reading something, some science material recently about neurology, and it was saying how if you have a message that includes pictures, it's six and a half times more likely to be remembered than just verbal communication. <laughs> and I was yeah. thinking, yeah. Uh, God has always used what science has just discovered. Um, well, well, isn't it interesting that even when Jesus defined himself, he didn't use the language of, of uh, words or what I call the linear language. He used the language of illustration, symbolism. symbolism. Yes. That's when he yes. defined himself. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the bread, I'm the door, I'm the shepherd, Correct. I'm the vine, you know, on and on. 
So, so he was using that illustrative language because it, it crosses over every other language, really, and it crosses over the uh, the linguistic boundaries of people's cultures and uh, and and customs too. It's so true, Zoran. I appreciate the insight there. We're going to go to a quick break, but afterwards we're going to hear a little bit more about um, Zoran's own experience, dreams and visions in his own life, and he's also going to give us some tips about how to understand your God dreams. We'll be back soon. Did you know that dreams and visions are the most common way God spoke in biblical history? And God still speaks in this powerful and creative way today. Of course, not every dream is from God. So how do we know when it is? And how do we understand the strange scenes that appear in our dreams? The globally renowned God Dreams online course answers these questions and more. It includes six teaching videos, a downloadable study guide and interaction with the God Conversations team. We've kept the price super low to make it accessible to everyone. Be equipped to hear God's voice in dreams and visions. Register today at godconversations.com forward slash courses. Welcome back to God Conversations. We are talking with Pastor Zoran Pornovich uh, from Wodonga in Victoria, Australia. And Zoran is a bit of an expert on dreams and visions. One of the few pastors I know who teaches on the topic and who has had years of experience in helping others to understand their God dreams. I'm super excited to have him on the show. Zoran, can you tell us um, maybe a significant dream that you've had in your life that's made a difference for you? Oh, I don't think I'll ever forget um, when I was, um, I just finished that DTS course I was telling you about and I had such an appetite, such an insatious desire to to just make the most of my life count for the kingdom of heaven and, and, and the Lord and his will in my life that I'd said to him I was that adamant about leaving and going back to Europe, which was then Yugoslavia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was wanting to go back there and be a missionary to my own people and uh, I had my bags packed, I was ready to go. Uh, and then just something in me just thought, oh, Lord, this is this is what I want to do. Um, what do you want me to do? You know, I suppose it's a good thing to ask. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, uh, an afterthought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, by the way, God. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how many times it's an afterthought in many people's lives. Um, yeah. So I I um, remember praying that uh, just before going to sleep, and I, I said, Lord, and it was not long after Herman Ripple was there. I said, Lord, you know, I would be really open to some answers in my for my destiny, even in my sleep, if you so choose to do that. Well, I will never forget what happened to me as I woke up in the morning. I had dreamt that I was in Yugoslavia then. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I dreamt that I was in a typical European home with a cobblestone sort of driveway, a smaller sort of kitchen with a timber table. And I was at one head of the table and there were three distinguished men seated at the other end of the table. The table would have been probably long enough to be able to sit 10 people, one of those size tables. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting together, one at the head and one each on either side at the head. And uh, I spoke to them, not verbally with my mouth, but I, I don't know how to word this to you, but telepathically, if you like, with my mind, I spoke mm-hmm. to them. And uh, they first were the ones to speak. And these three uh, said to me, what's on your mind? You know, like stuck in a mozak. 
And mm-hmm. uh, and then I spoke in my language, in the Serbian, Croatian language. From this Linda, even some will not resemble the Buddha missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about going back to my homeland to be a missionary. These three looked at each other simultaneously as though they were in council with one another and uh, and looked at me and spoke with one voice and said to me, what you are asking for is a good thing, but it is not the right thing for your life. Wow. And I woke up and instantly wow. knew, because they looked the same. They were distinguished yeah. men. They had three-piece suit on. They were like triplets. Uh, and I just knew it to be the Godhead, the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit in counsel over my request. Mm-hmm. And I was aware that there were a couple of times in Scripture when uh, there are references to the Godhead and the plurality of us in Genesis. They said, let us make man. And then at the Tower of Babel, let us go down and confound man with many languages. And I must say to you, I will never forget that, Tanya. Never, ever forget that. I just thought, you know what, my request was that important that the Godhead come together in mm. counsel over my request. Mm. And it's one, I've had others, but that one there I'll just never forget. That is quite powerful, isn't it? It's well, amazing. It's so what, did you unpack to... your suitcase and then decide not to go? Yeah. <laughs> well, later on, <laughs> later on it was abundantly clear to me, much, much to my disappointment, uh, without getting involved in it, it was very clear to me that the Holy Spirit wanted me to go back to Adelaide to my home church Mm-hmm. And, uh, and take on the role as the associate youth pastor. So look, it really changed the entire trajectory and the course of my destiny. Isn't that interesting too that they said, you know, what you're asking is a good thing. So they had seen your heart, so God had seen your heart and then said, but this is a better thing. I really, I really love that. I really, it's such a personal way of acknowledging throwing your heart's in the right place. But it's just, this is a better way. So I love that. I suppose, I suppose you're right. I suppose it, it does lend to having to think through a little bit. Look, do you think sometimes we settle for the good instead of settling for the right thing? You know, like you don't know, do you? Well, it's interesting. It's one of the um, questions I've been exploring a little bit in in the book that I've been writing. You know, what difference does it make that we hear from God and not hear from God? And, um, uh, yeah, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament with, um, Elisha and Gehazi. Or is it Elijah? I mix them up all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the army of the Lord is surrounding them so that they were in a situation where they were going to be attacked. And the army of the Lord was surrounding them. And the prophet could see the army of the Lord, but his servant Gehazi couldn't. And so Elisha or Elijah prays, open the eyes of the servant that he may see. And I think the God was always there. God is always working, but one person sees it and one person doesn't. And the difference it can be quite profound, I think, because it then becomes very personal. You know what God's doing, and because you know what God's doing, you can cooperate with it. So I think it does make a massive difference that we hear from God personally and obviously for you it it made a difference in your ministry and then how it all unfolded so so if someone comes to you and then says well that's just a great story Zoran I really like it um I've never had that happen to me how do I how do I have an experience like that what would you say to them 
I would firstly say to them, how do you know that something like that hasn't happened to you? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, so much of life goes by without giving any attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we dismiss a lot of things, Tanya. Yeah. Um, I mean, you would be very well versed with that scripture in Job 33 that God speaks in a dream, the vision of the mm-hmm. night, when deep sleep falls on men. And the next part is, though man may not perceive it. Um, so God is uh, quite often speaking, uh, though man is not necessarily perceiving or understanding what's mm-hmm. going on. And it just needs a heightened sense of awareness and spiritual alertness to it, yes. or, or an awakening. In some yes. Yes. to to be, actually even begin there would be really really helpful. Yep. Yeah, it's almost enough, isn't it, just to know God can speak this way, and therefore it switches on the alert button. You know, maybe this could be from God. Maybe it, it isn't, but maybe it could be. So therefore, the awareness factor increases, and it's like I open my eyes to see. I think. I think you're. I mean, I mean I'll come, I'll, you want me to share an example of, of that sort of, you know, like um, I had a guy in my youth ministry one time whose brother was a Catholic, and he did not have a, he did not have a born again, awakened sort of experience that his brother did in the Pentecostal mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Well, his Catholic brother comes up to him and he said, "I had an interesting dream last night where I think Jesus was standing at the end of an empty tomb in a statue form, in a religious." form of a statue, much like Catholics or Orthodox were known to be, right? Yes. And so his, his brothers are describing this dream to him and it's, it was the most unusual thing happened where Jesus transformed from a figure looking like a statue into a lifelike person and he stepped around the empty grave and came up to me and gave me a Liverpool kiss. And his brother then came to me because he didn't understand that. His Catholic mm. brother had no idea what that was about. So he's profound. His, his born again brother comes up to me and said, he said, I'm not sure that I even understand it. And I said, well, it's clear to me that the grave's empty. Yes. And Jesus is risen. But the only yes. relationship that your brother has with Christ is a religious figure on some pedestal as a statue. Yes. Jesus is quite clearly telling him he's alive. And, um, and risen. But the part that bewilders me a bit is what does a Liverpool kiss mean when he gives it to your brother? Like, does your brother... See, this is where we've got to know how to ask the right questions, Tanya. Yes. We can ask a million wrong questions, but being led by the Spirit, ask the right question. For whatever reason, I said, does your brother barrack for the Liverpool Soccer Club? And he said he does. And I said, is there anything distinctive about the Liverpool Soccer Club that has to do with a Liverpool kiss? He said, as a matter of fact, he said, when the Liverpool soccer club, when the Liverpool players line up against their opposition on an oval in a line, once in a while, a Liverpool player will step out and headbutt or tap the opposition in the head, and it's his way of saying, you're mine. Wow, isn't that <laughs> profound? So his brother doesn't understand that. He, he, the Christian brother said, oh, my, oh, my. <laughs> he said, I can't wait to go and tell my brother what he had dreamt. Isn't that profound? So so there's a classic example, isn't it, that somebody's having a significant moment but he's not necessarily perceiving it. How much of that's yeah. going on because yeah. there's not this spiritual awakeness or alertness? And I think the interesting thing about that dream, Zoran, too, is that it's so tailored to that person, to this man, because he, you know, he's a big fan of Liverpool. 
So, you know, God speaks on that level and in a way that is so... I will have that about dream language because I know in your book you talk about developing your own dream dictionary, which I think is super important because I know that out there you'll often find dictionaries, this symbol means this and that symbol means this. Um, But the way that the Holy Spirit speaks is very personal to the person, so the symbols are more likely to relate to your world. Um, there are every, 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 every bit true. Every bit true. Yeah, it's so personal. It's like, well, what is? Because God wouldn't give me that dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a very full Forget it. I'm an AFL girl. <laughs> and, how, and how humorous was it for to hear it? You know, like that. You think, gee, Lord, you you, you headmarted him like. It's awesome. Are you serious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just, I love that about God because he, you know, Jesus came as a Jewish man in the first century wearing Jewish clothing, Jewish, you know, shoes, speaking the language of the local people. He spoke in their language and dreams do the same thing, uses symbols that we relate to, which makes the message very personal. I just... I love that. I think it's profound. The interesting thing too is, Zoran, um, reading a book, you've had a similar experience to me where God is speaking to people who don't know him. So for this man, he didn't really know God personally other than no. as a religious figure, um, but God comes in and he's reaching out to people wherever they're at, whatever their religious background. And um, I just did a recent podcast with Tom Doyle, I don't know if you've heard him. He wrote a book on visions of Jesus in the Middle East and all these people having dreams of Jesus. And oh, well, yeah, yeah. They, be, they become Christians. They follow. They they move away from the Muslim faith and they realize that the prophet Isa is more than just a prophet. And um, they they become Christians. They follow Jesus. So it's yeah, it's quite profound. All of us can sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a third of our lifetime. <laughs> it's not rocket science, is it? No, no. Zorin, it's been awesome to talk with you and I'm super excited to chat with someone who is of like mind and understanding. Um, I wonder if you could pray a prayer over our listeners um, because I know that people are eager to hear from God in this way for themselves and we really want to see the Spirit speaking to people in dreams and visions and um, being awakened to it is a big part of that but wondering if you can pray for our listeners that they will hear from God in this way as well. Yeah, certainly. Lord Jesus, we just um so thankful for the Holy Spirit that you have sent to us who according to the Gospel of John is our instructor, our teacher, our helper, uh, the one who directs us and guides us in all truth who reveals to us the things that we seek and search and want to know. And we are mindful that in Acts 2 that um, the language of the New Testament church is dreams and visions. And I pray right now for a special anointing to rest upon the listeners who who have tuned into this broadcast, that your presence would rest upon them and that you would do a little of what we've been discussing, Tanya, and cause an awakeness cause a sense of spiritual alertness and cause and even do a little what you've done with Tanya and myself, an appetite to want to grow and learn more about this. 
You're the one who leads us and guides our steps and I pray that you would guide them and lead them to all sorts of available resources nowadays that are there for them to grow and to learn and to seek and search out those things that can equip them better. Father, bless our listeners. I pray, Father, right now that you would reveal yourself to them uh, in their sleep and if they're missing something during the day, then make it known to them during the night. And so I commend them all to you and Tanya's ministry here in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Lauren. Really appreciate your time. Great to have you on the show today. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing on iTunes. Search for God Conversations with Tanya Harris and click subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review so others can learn to hear God's voice too. 